0: welcome to gears action growth shifting business culture one conversation at a time my name is dr josephine palermo and my superpower is creating business cultures that transform organizations team by team today i'm joined by the wonderful cindy scott who's a leadership coach author speaker podcast hoster and retailer of cancer and well-being gifts i know you're going to love this conversation and please note that we have a special call to action for you to join our women's circle at the end of the episode so please look out for that well welcome everyone and welcome cindy i'm so glad to have you here on the podcast cindy scott is a leadership coach an author speaker podcast host herself and a connoisseur of cancer gifts women's resilience and well-being and tea and actually we have to talk about that because I love tea as well. <laughs> um, Cindy survived cancer twice today we're going to discuss how she transformed her life after a devastating re-emergence of breast cancer nearly five years after her first diagnosis. Um, so Cindy welcome um, tell us a little bit about where you were at that time, and particularly at, you know, b- before the diagnosis, and then at the time of that diagnosis?
1: Mm, thank you so much for having me today, Josephine. I really appreciate it. Um, when I was first diagnosed with breast cancer, um, <laughs> flashing back now, I was a single mum, I had a young son, I had my own business. And I would say I was an adrenaline junkie. I was absolutely fueled by keeping busy. You know, I felt I was very purposeful and important if I, you know, I had lots on my plate and I had this huge things, of, you know, list of things to do all the time. So that was where I was at. I was kind of feeling like I was superwoman on the outside. You know, I was bulletproof. I had this tough exterior and I've got this. But on the inside was a very different story. So, yeah, I think the first time I was diagnosed, I was probably quite in shock, but I wasn't really letting that be seen by anyone else. Um, probably didn't really fully understand it myself.
0: So, Cindy, tell me a little bit about how that happened. Do you, what do you remember? What happened? I'm sure you remember. Tell us a little bit about what happened on that day, the day that I was diagnosed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, I had had um, in my left breast, I had this warm kind of sensation on the inside for probably a couple of months. And it was, I don't know, like the size of um, probably like an egg. Um, and it was hot on the inside. And I kept sort of massaging it. I'd put ice on it. And, um, you know, I talked to friends about it. And then one day one a friend said to me, Cindy, like, go and get that checked out. Like, it's not normal. And you've had this for quite a while. So I thought, you know, I I really didn't ever take time for myself and even going to the doctors was a nuisance for me with where I was at. I was just busy doing other things. And so I went in and I thought, right, I'll get it checked and they did a scan and I sat out in the waiting room and he called me back in and he said, oh, you know, it kind of looks a little suspect. We we need to do a biopsy and they did that there there and then as well. And I then went and sat back in the waiting room and waited and then got called back in. And I'm there by myself. I didn't bring a support person. I'm kind of going, nah, she'll be right. I'm fine. Um, my son's at home. He's got home from school. And I'm like in this state of panic going, look, I've got other things to do. i got to get going. And he, the doctor calls me back in and he goes, um, it's not good news. He said, um, you know, you do have cancer and I can book you in next week for surgery. And I'm like, what? Um, you know, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. I didn't want to take time out for it. I was I was just in complete denial that this was happening to me. Um, and I was just like, just let me go. I want to get back to my life. I've got responsibilities. My son's waiting for me. You know, like this whole sort of I'm so busy and important thing. So yeah that was the day the first the first diagnosis was really just I'm like what do you mean this can't be happening to me yeah
0: so i can imagine and and so you obviously weren't in a space where you were ready for that but it sounds like you weren't in a space where you were really very aware of yourself and your health needs. Would that be right? Like, tell me, tell me a little bit about where you were. Like, what was happening at work and at home, and what's so what's so busy that you're not paying attention to those things? Because I know we've yeah. all been there.
1: Oh yeah, no, look, I I think for me, I probably. Um, over-prioritized everybody else and really didn't create a lot of space for me. I didn't, at that time, wasn't doing a lot of things around self-care. I wasn't um, doing many things that were hobbies or things that brought joy either. I felt like like life was a real bit of drudgery and it was hard work and it was an uphill climb and, you know, like a lot of negative sort of mindset and, um, you know, a lot of responsibility. I had a lot of anger Um, responsibility for my son and just felt like my clients needed me and they were more important than myself and my own health. So, you know, looking back, I I know it sounds absolutely ridiculous, but at the time that was my reality. You mentioned anger. What what was that about for you? Well, it was interesting. Um, I have a lot of spiritual friends. I seem to collect them and psychics along the way, and they're probably my favorite people anyway. But um, one girlfriend. She said to me one day, you know what anger, um, sorry, cancer is actually caused from? And I said, no. And she goes, it's repressed anger. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll sit with that. She sent me an article, like an email um, uh, to read. And I read that and I thought, well, I'm not going to dismiss that wholeheartedly. I just thought, no, I'm going to let that percolate for a little while. And I sat with it and I thought, hmm, okay, even if it wasn't true, do I have anger in me that I need to clear? And I had gone through a pretty traumatic um, divorce um, several years prior. So I know that I still carried a lot of um, energy around that, that there was a lot of forgiveness and healing that needed to happen. Um, So, yeah, that was probably one major area for me where I knew I was holding on to quite a lot of anger that needed to be released. Um, And, you know, if I was honest with myself, there was other areas in my life too, that, um, you know, I had, I had carried some unresolved anger. So I did a deep dive at that point and thought, okay, you know, maybe this journey with cancer is here to show me that I've got some anger that needs to be cleared. So I'm going to do that work at the same time doing some of the treatment that, you know, the breast surgeon had put on my plate as well. So Cindy, that first experience of cancer how did that play out
0: for you what was what was that like that experience
1: well on reflection I would say that it was an absolutely epic fail I did all the wrong things in terms of just really wanted to sweep the whole journey under the carpet I refused treatment I refused to share it with anyone I refused to get any help I didn't ask for help I really um just carried it alone I shared it with a couple of close friends but I didn't really let a lot of people in some of my work colleagues didn't even know what I was going through Um, obviously my family knew what was happening but in many ways I just I was in denial I was refusing to believe that this was happening to me and that I actually needed treatment so yeah on reflection I would say I did all the classic wrong things what
0: was the belief that was driving that response for you
1: I, I think at the very core, it was that I wasn't worthy um, of putting myself first mm. to actually put the light on myself and take time for me. And that's really tragic, I think, in this day and age when we know better. Um, but as a woman, as a professional woman, um, I really just didn't see that that was a priority, that I had so many other competing priorities that were more important and I, I know that there's nothing more important now <laughs> I look back but at that time that was where I was at with it, it was a real worthiness thing for
0: me mm. So you said you didn't have any treatment did you have any procedure at all or
1: I did I um I had uh, a me the very next week, like it was only a few days after my diagnosis. So for me, I had never been in hospital before. I had never been oh, wow. unwell in my life. I was not familiar with the health system. Um, I'd never had surgery Um, so all of that was so challenging and confronting for me to go, OMG, like, I can't believe that I've been diagnosed and just a few days later, I'm going in for surgery. And as it turned out, so he did a lumpectomy and you need to have clear margins, five millimeter margins around the tumor that he took out. And so what, what he took out, there was actually cancer in the margins. So I had to go back the very next week and have it all again. Um, and so that was doubly quite, you know, scary for me to have Amazing. to go and repeat something that was so scary to begin with. Um, but when I say I refused treatment, he had suggested twenty um, rounds of radiation, and I said, "No, I'm not interested in doing that." He offered drug therapy for the next five years. I said, "No, thank you. I'm not taking that either." So he sort of looked at me like, "What do you mean you're not actually going to do what I'm suggesting?" And I'm like, "I'm sorry, but I'm young. I'm healthy." I think that I'm going to nip this in the bud. I've got a good mindset. I'm strong. I, I can do this. And he just sort of t- was taken quite aback. And then he said, "Well, given who you are and your age," he said, "I'm not going to lose sleep at night knowing." But he he actually let me walk away, and I had you know my annual checkups and all that was fine. But um, yeah, so I did. I actually didn't um, go go through with all of it. Right, right. You were cancer free in those years. So, so obviously,
0: um, you were strong and you were able to, um, you know, overcome that and the cancer wasn't able to um, take hold at that stage. But then uh, you were getting on with life. Tell me a little bit about what life was like at that stage. So you're cancer free now. It's a few years later. It's four or five years later.
1: Yeah, so I think for me, I I made cancer mean that first time that I was not living in alignment, like that some things needed to change in my life. And so, you know, fast forward four years, I'd attracted a beautiful man into my life. We were six weeks out from getting married. So, you know, in terms of that relationship side of things, I felt much more secure and happy and in love. So, um, you know, relationally, I felt that um, things were in in the right place. We had moved from Melbourne to Queensland. So I live in a much um, nicer climate, which agrees with me a lot more. I do like to be warm and I like to have a lot more sunshine. So I felt that was going really well. And at the time too I was very very fit. I was going to the gym several days a week. I had a personal trainer. I was at my optimal weight. I was toned. I was fit. My cardio was strong. I was eating very well as well. You know, I had a really good balanced diet, lots of variety. So when that second diagnosis came, I was like, what do you mean? Like I live in paradise. My my life seems quite idyllic. Like I have righted a lot of the things that felt out of alignment for me. So what on earth is going on? And so I was really quite in disbelief with the second diagnosis. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening to me again. Like what's going on here? That would have felt very unfair to me. Absolutely. I'm a fairness girl. And huh? it, um, it did. I was like, why me? Why now? Why again? Like what on earth is going on? I was, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Was it the same kind of cancer, Cindy? No, it was a much more aggressive cancer. Um, I did catch it early, fortunately. So it was another lump in the same breast. The thing that was most, um, I guess, horrific was that it was also in my lymph nodes. So they took some lymph nodes out as well which meant that I needed to have chemotherapy. So it was a much more aggressive cancer than I'd had the first time around. So people have asked me, you know, did the first time actually prepare you for the second diagnosis? And I'm like, absolutely no way. Nothing could prepare you to hear those words again. And knowing that it was a much more aggressive form that required chemo, that really just sent me in a spin. So, yeah, I... um, I required chemotherapy. There was also talk of radiation, but they wanted to do a lumpectomy straight away, which they did. Um, and so my oncologist was like, can we cancel your wedding? Can we bring all of this forward so we can get you started straight away? And so that just sent me into another spin. And you then were I just top- about to get, get sorry,
0: Detroit, you were just about to get yeah. married, Cindy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Six weeks out, we had people coming from all around the world. Mm. Um, We had a three-day epic sort of wedding celebration planned. Um, It was was supposed to be a really special time, but also at the same time, this is when COVID was rearing its ugly head, and it was sort of February, March 2020 when the world was in great fear about what is this virus, what does it mean for us? And there was all these warnings like get back to your home country, Mm -hmm. isolate where you can. And so two weeks out from our wedding, I had one of my psychic girlfriends ring and she goes, you're not going ahead with this wedding, are you? And I'm like, what? What do you mean? And she goes, oh, you must cancel it. Like, what if everyone gets COVID at your wedding? And I'm like, oh. And she goes, then every single one of those guests at your wedding could be potential Uh, risks for you to get COVID. And that means you can't start your chemo. And I'm like, OMG. So um, we did two weeks out, we cancelled the wedding celebration. I cried for the whole weekend. I was so devastated because then I had to go and undo all the bookings and Fortunately, everyone was so wonderful about it because COVID um, was rampant by that point or the fear of it was and, um, you know, a lot of businesses were just very accommodating. So that was wonderful but very emotional for me to have to undo and cancel and let everybody know and just so disappointing.
0: So did you handle the um treatment in a different way because the first time with your cancer you kind of put on your your Wonder Woman super shield you know I felt like
1: that's what it sounds like did you do did you do it differently this this I absolutely did it differently and so one of the things one of the beautiful things that was happening for me at that time is I um, became part of this beautiful group of women um, which I still to this day call my soul sisters and So we had bonded, we'd had a girls weekend away with this beautiful group of women. And there was just this real connection and um, love, I suppose. And then COVID came along. And it was like, we we wanted to continue to catch up. But there was really no way to do that in person. So we started having zoom calls. And then I had my cancer diagnosis. So that then it was sort of like, well, we're going to have those weekly to make sure that we support Cindy through this. And also just We were all on this journey of growth and self-exploration. So it was such a beautiful time to be part of this wonderful group. And if it wasn't for that group, I don't think I would be where I am today. I think it's, you know, the, the collective collaboration and support of women that lift us up. And it, you know, it was this beautiful group of women who are very conscious, very enlightened, um, that challenged me on some of the things that I did the first time around and how I needed to do them differently the second time. And one of the things that was so, so key was to actually be okay to sit in the uncomfortable, to actually go, okay, this is not a nice place to be. But to avoid the distraction of trying to be somewhere else and actually just go, this is where I am, and to actually own it. So that real mindful presence was so pivotal in the way that I handled it the second time. I took a much more mindful approach of acceptance around, okay, This has shown up for me. And I really took it on like a project, like cancer's shown up for a reason. It has a message for me. I am here to get something. So I took it that seriously. And these beautiful women, my soul sisters, carried me through that journey as well. Like they saw me fall apart. They saw my hair fall out. They saw me feeling ugly and down. And I was really vulnerable this time through. I shared my journey far and wide. I was okay to receive support, which is massive for me. Um, and I was really vulnerable. I let people see me wherever I was at. And that made such a difference because there was such an outpouring of support. I just never... Never believed that so many people cared and that they would love me and support me in so many different ways. It was such a beautiful experience, really. That's amazing
0: to kind of hear that, particularly when it's such a devastating um, (sighs) thing to happen to someone. You know, you don't want to, you don't ever want to be experiencing something that devastating. You talked about the supportive um, group that the women provided talking to you earlier, you were also talking about how this part of the, of your life, you also gained more confidence in your voice, in your confidence. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because was that part
1: of this time? I think for me, um, going through cancer the second time, there was a bit of a reckoning that happened in terms of like, you start to ask yourself those deeper questions in life like, who am I really? What do I truly value? What's important to me? How do I want to live the the rest of my life? What legacy do I want to leave behind? And there really is a bit of a, um, a desire to just want to live your truth, be who you truly are, to be unapologetically yourself. And I think for me there was such a letting go of, you know, the facade, the crap that you wear, that the ways of being in life that don't serve you, that you think in some way do serve you and they maybe have served you to a point. But um, I just want to be real. I really don't have any patience or time for falsities. I just I feel like I have such an important message to share for women because I see so many women doing that tough, soldiering on, superwoman thing and it's not from a place of wholeness and authenticity. It's actually out of fear. We need to slow down. We need to listen to our bodies. We need to actually honour ourselves. We need to, to bring more joy and more self-care into the way that we live. And if we don't, we're just going to drive ourselves into the ground.
0: There There's this. is that, isn't there? There's this, I'm, I'm interested that you call it fear because there's, there is this sort of drive around needing to be... Um, The super competent woman in all phases of life at all times. So you see that, I mean, you saw that in your life, but you see that in the other people that you have as well. I see
1: that so much. I mean, the whole women's lib movement, right? It was like all about women, you know, we're intelligent, we're educated, we can do it too. But I think what's happening is we still carry a lot of the responsibilities at home. We are conditioned to be givers. And then you add education and you add a professional career on top of that. I mean, it's a highly complex very full life that women are leading now. And, you know, many of my clients, they're, they are running on empty, they're exhausted, they're like, you know, they are potential cancer candidates, the way they're going, you know, that if it's not cancer, it'll be some health expression that will show up. So I think we need to tune in, we need to really slow down and actually go, you know what, we're capable of doing it all. But do you really want to have it all, you know, like <laughs> because it's probably going to have some sort of compromise or um, consequence.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. What is the, the thing that you give up in order to, to really, yeah. you know, achieve all of that? You have this lovely way of talking about the way in which we think about the wisdom in our body and the way mm. in which your body tells you and gives you those messages. Can you explain yeah, that, Cindy? Because sure. I, I love that.
1: Yeah, sure. I'm not sure where I heard it from, but um, I love it too. One of my mantras is body, uh, sorry, whisper, tap, slap. And I believe that we all have our own innate body wisdom and I know for me personally I was overriding that wisdom our body is continually communicating with us and telling us that things are out of alignment so it might be you've got muscle aches or your back hurts or you've got headaches or you're not sleeping well or you've got indigestion it could be any number of health expressions and what we'll get is we'll get a little whisper to go hang on pay attention and if we don't heed that we'll get a tap and then we'll get a slap. And for me, I I was way beyond that. I think I got the proverbial punch to the guts. You know, (laughs) cancer was like, hello, you've missed all the warning signs. And now we've had to go to this major extreme to get you to listen that you are out of alignment, that you are, you know, exhausted, that you need a break, that you are not living your truth. And so for me, it was like, it had to get to that point for me to actually listen. So I know that when I speak at different um, forums and I share this, women go, "Oh, wow!" Like I am exhausted, and I and I override the you know the messages that my body is giving me constantly. So please tune in, listen. Yeah, I think it's an important message. I,
0: I have a lot of people coming to me and saying, "You do so much," because I I have always have a lot of balls juggling, and I actually always say to them, "I know when to stop." So nice. I don't. I don't actually reply by going, "Yeah, I do all of this." I actually. I think my success is knowing where to stop. So I'm hoping that I'm paying attention to the whispers um, because I don't want the. <laughs> I don't want the the tap, let alone the. Smile. Yeah,
1: no, no. It's important. I, I think um, you know, and there's all types of women, and some achieve a lot more than others. Some are more driven. I know for me, I actually like doing a lot. I have capacity to do a lot but I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's knowing to bring how to bring balance. Um, it's how to bring more calm and peace. So in our nervous system, we have a sympathetic nervous system, which is about the fight or flight. And, and that does serve us at times. It's about protecting self. But we also have a parasympathetic nervous system, which is about bringing us back to calm, bring us back to balance. And For me, I know personally that I was way out of whack and I was very much in a heightened state of fight or flight all the time. I wasn't doing any of those yin activities that was bringing me back to balance. I was just um, overrun, exhausted, um, worn out. So, Cindy, what are those things? So
0: tell me a little bit about those yin activities. What are those things you do now and, and perhaps you've taken on as a routine and habit as a consequence of what we've learned
1: absolutely essential things in my daily practice so one of them I love to meditate Um, anything it couldn't even just be a five or ten minute breathing meditation to slow right down to calm down it's amazing five or ten minutes can do that um journaling very powerful um just to write out how you're feeling to express your thoughts I love doing floats. I don't know if you've ever been in a float tank, but I just love those. Infrared sauna, going to the gym, walking in nature, doing a beach walk or a forest walk. Being in nature, the vibrational frequency of nature is um, a beautiful way for us to restore balance. Um, So anything that brings you joy. I've recently started a painting class and I'm getting so much joy from doing that. Just the creativity. Um, the class that I'm doing is the teacher's all about it not being perfect. I like it's it. not like not painting in the lines. It's like get your brushes out and just be really abstract and creative and colourful. And to me that's just it's waking something in me where my, my heart's happy. And I think the more things you can do that bring you joy, whether it's dance, you know, creating art, whatever it is, music, um, travel yeah anything that brings you joy I think getting yourself into a place that really makes your heart sing is probably the best medicine absolutely and,
0: and you know I think that it's also about understanding I think where where you are in life and what you really need because I think we've got we sometimes we you're just on a, a sort of wheel of getting more and needing more and more money and more, uh, you know, more promotions and more um, wealth and more, you know, more material things in particular, more prestige, more status, when really what do we really need, you know, to kind of pursue happiness? And when you really look at that, it's not all those things. All those things can give you a lifestyle that absolutely can be fun, but they don't necessarily lead to happiness, particularly if if the sacrifice is you know, you're working 60 to 80 hour weeks or even, for, or even you know, anything more than, than you can sustain and, and live this kind of present healthy life?
1: Yeah, I would say for the first 50 years of my life, there was a whole lot of striving, which is, you know, in pursuit of something ahead of me, whether that was more money, whether it was a job title, whether it was winning a contract, And what I discovered in my second um, run with treatment from cancer was the practice of non-striving. I was like, what is that? When I first heard it, I'm like, what do you mean practice non-striving? But I, what I realized was that I was doing so much doing in life and I wasn't doing any being. And so for me, I'm really trying to craft more being time in my life. And people go, what What on earth is that? But being is actually being still. It's being in the present moment. It might be meditating. It might be writing. It might be whatever it is that brings you joy. But finding more and more of those moments to be present um, and just be, that's the medicine right there. Oh, that's wonderful, Cindy. Well,
0: I've actually downloaded some of the meditations from your website oh and I'll, wonderful I'll put, yeah I'll put the link in the in the show notes because I I've actually downloaded them and I'm, I'm I've actually diarized that you know that's my morning ritual and Lovely. my month of May is actually a well-being month for me so I'm reminding myself that. To, yeah so because I feel like I felt like I was getting a little bit out of balance in terms of my own self-care. And so, you know, okay. because it's easy, it's easy to, to just get on this whirlwind Keep that going. takes you right up to somewhere where you don't, you know, you, you kind of lose control of your own self, self-care self well. Um, and well-being.
1: I'm really touched that you've actually found those meditations and can I just say... Please enjoy them there from my heart to yours. But one one of them there is my all-time favorite meditation. It's called Meet Your Future Self. And to me, this was one of the most powerful meditations that I've ever done in my life. Because what you do is you meet your future self 20 years from now and you glean her wisdom and bring it back to now. And that was such a freeing, liberating, peaceful time. I, I just love that meditation. So I've done a version of it and recorded it there. So um, please enjoy that. I look forward to hearing what you think of it. I <laughs> oh, will. I'll have a look at that.
0: I'll have a, I'll definitely have a look at that this week, Cindy. Um, so we we sort of run out of time. But what I wanted to do was um, today particularly do a bit of a shout out um, and do a call out to other women who might be looking for Uh, the same support that you were talking about in your own Soul Sister group. And, and, you know, forming a women's circle is something that I've always wanted to do. So I've asked Cindy for some help with that because I would love to be part of a women's circle. And so what we're looking for is six amazing, high-achieving women who are looking to connect with other people who can um, provide that support and, and particularly all of those things that Cindy's talking about—that—that that reminder to be present and in the moment—and to, but to also challenge each other around some of the ways in which we're we're being um, in the in in life and in and partly, um, I think we need to do that with other women. So we're going to put a little bit of a link, I think, in the show notes. So I will, we'll work that out at the end of this session, but we'll put a link in. So please feel free to go to that link and uh, inquire and. Uh, no obligation, but make an inquiry if you are interested in being in a women's circle uh, with myself and Cindy.
1: That would be amazing. I would love that. And I guess um, when I was thinking about the type of women that we would love to attract, it would be you know high achieving women who are doing you know amazing things in their career, but they're so they're they're passionate and they're purposeful and they feel a sense of power in who they are but they want to bring more peace. So they're feeling a little bit out of whack when we, when we talk about the yin and the yang balance. So when a woman is very much in her yang or her masculine energy, that's the space where we create and we're moving towards goals and we're achieving. But for women, we need to bring more yin as well and men do as well but for women who are looking to introduce more yin into their life um, this is one beautiful way to do it and have the support of your sisterhood um, in doing so so um, absolutely we'll put up a link and um, reach out if you would like to be part of a group of amazing high achieving yet peaceful women fantastic (laughs) I'll
0: look forward to it Cindy thank you so much for your time today Uh, I'm sure that we will continue to have some great conversations so I'd love you to come back sometime and perhaps continue
1: some of the conversations that. around your practice in your That'd be great. Thanks uh, so much for today. I've loved it. Thanks indeed.